started this church in the city of Corinth in about 51 CE. And just a couple later is when, or a couple years later, is when this letter is written. See, Paul is trying to give them some encouragement. Kind of like our men's national basketball team, there's a lot of star-studded players here, but there's a lot of disunity. They're not working together, and they're supposed to be the body of Christ. Instead, what we find out is there are a lot of disunity among the different classes, from the wealthy to the lower. We know from 1 Corinthians 11 that the Lord's Supper has turned into a community feast. And Paul's great with that. We love to gather around the table. The problem is, is that the wealthier class, the ones who have more leisure time, are showing up to the gathering earlier, and they're eating all the food. So not everyone is included in this feast. And not only that, but they're starting to have, my New Testament professor, Dr. Abe Smith, said, improper self-estimation. So some of them feel like their spiritual gifts are better than others. And that's not true. That is not true. So let us sit here and listen to what Paul tells the church in Corinth. We're going to head over to 1 Corinthians 12. 4 through 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given the Spirit of utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discernment of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same spirit who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. Did y'all notice a familiar word that Paul says time and time again? From the same Spirit. The same Spirit, the same God activated all of these gifts. This doesn't mean either gift is better than the other one. We are all needed together. So Paul goes on a little bit further. He heads over to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 14. And we're going to talk about the different bodies. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Isn't this an interesting metaphor that Paul uses? 
for me when I was thinking about it, I just imagined that we were all one nose. I guess that slide didn't go in. But I imagined myself up here as a nose, and I imagined you all as noses. And yes, we could all smell great, but we could not communicate with one another. How would we function? How would we get anything done? So Paul tells us we need each part of the body. And during this time, this was actually countercultural. In the Greco-Roman culture, the body was used for hierarchy. The head was the top, the head that did everything. So for Paul to continue to say everyone is equal was something that was very, very shocking for them. Okay, now we need to get back, right? It's gonna be 2008 men's national USA team, the Olympics here soon. So we need to know what's gonna happen. So this time, instead of how the 2004 team went down, where they only spent two to three weeks practicing together, they brought in a new leader. They brought in a new coach who knew things had to be done differently. Yes, he had this star-studded lineup again, but he had them practicing together two to three years before 2008. He knew he needed to create a family within them, that they need to know that they were better together than individual. And he had big stars. LeBron James up there, he was a rookie back in 2004, but he is a big name now. And what he said in an interview with them is that when Coach K came on, he said he didn't care about anyone's resume. He didn't care what you did on your professional team. You were all at the same level and you were all held equally accountable. And LeBron James said that made a huge difference. After a couple of different uh, practice sessions though, a little bit down the line, they brought in another big all-star. Someone you may have heard of, Kobe Bryant. He's a pretty big name, that's what people have told me. And the two of them, are coming into this team with big egos. The team was concerned. How is Coach K gonna handle this? Were we all gonna ha sudden have a team LeBron and a team Kobe? Was it gonna be divided? Or how were they going to share in this body? So since Coach K led that strong foundation that they were all equal, LeBron and Kobe agreed that they became a team together and they knew they had different leadership skills. In one of the interviews together, they joked around about how Kobe was the silent type and LeBron was the comedian. Kobe's leadership style was one where he was a hard worker. He might not have been as vocal, but it made everyone else work harder. He was diving as hard for loose balls in practice that he was in an actual game. And this made a difference. LeBron was a hard worker in his own, but he was different than Kobe. Not better, not worse, but different. For LeBron, he was more relational. He knew he needed to bring Kobe in to be part of the team, and he did that through humor. He knew that that was a way that they would grow to love each other was through the humor together. 
So I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat going, well, did they win? How did the Olympics all the way 15 years ago go? I know, I know, I will let you know. It is a surprise because the documentary is called The Redeem Team, but they did go on to win the gold. And it was a very exciting moment for them. But that wasn't the most exciting piece for me. There was a time where they showed shots of the USA men's team in the stands cheering for other USA Olympic teams. They were at volleyball games. They were at swim meets. They were at track races. Not only were they Team USA on the basketball court, but they were Team USA at the entire Olympics because they knew together they were stronger. So I know we're not on the men's basketball team going to the Olympics, or at least I don't think we are. And I know we're not the church in Corinth, but we are all part of groups and different communities in our lives. And it's really important how we come together in these groups. Here's just a few examples of some of the teams, some of the groups that we might be on. We have work, of course, soccer fields, family, classmates, and then, of course, all the wonderful things and the way we're the body of Christ here at Christ United. So what are ways that we can come together, that we can see each other's spiritual gifts and appreciate them? Well, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I feel it's easier to almost go negative more than positive. It's easier to see what someone's doing wrong rather than what someone is doing right. So what if we flip that on our own script? What if we find a new way and instead we focus on being strength finders? We focus on looking how someone is strong instead of looking the areas that they might be weak. And what if we take that to the next step? What if we not only see how maybe you're so impressed with how Joe in the meeting handled that conflictual situation that you complimented him on it? You said, Joe, you are so great at the relational aspects. Or if you're in class and one of your classmates gets up in front and reads an incredible moving story they wrote themselves, what if you compliment them on it? What if you tell them, it's so amazing how creative you are? What if you even went a step beyond that and asked them to show, show you how they do it? What would that take to turn it around to be a strength finder, not a flaw finder? And maybe that aspect is easy for you. Maybe you can easily identify the strengths and the gifts that God has given others, but it's not so easy to find them in yourself. Maybe you feel like when God had the Holy Spirit handing out gifts, God skipped you. You don't feel like you have anything to offer. I'm here to tell you that's not true. I'm here to tell you God did not forget about you. God knows every strand of hair on your head, and God knows every gift the Holy Spirit has placed on your heart. You might need some help uncovering it, remembering it, 
It is there. I recommend you ask a close family friend or family member. They can see these beautiful things inside you that you might be struggling with because God knows and loves each one of you. So how can we get this started? How can we go to be strength finders? A little bit later in 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on to tell the church in Corinth how to get this started. And at the heart of it is love. I'm going to end with some familiar verses, especially if you've been to a wedding. Usually they're shared in a romantic way. But that actually wasn't why Paul was writing them. He wasn't writing them for a wedding ceremony. He was writing them for a community that felt divided. He was writing them for a community that might not always like each other. He was writing them because he knew God would be able to put this transformational love on their heart that would make a difference. So when I read these last verses from Corinthians, instead of thinking about it in a romantic way, View it as a way of this community, of the world. Maybe you're viewing it in the way that one of your coworkers always drinks the last cup of coffee and it drives you crazy. Maybe it's uh, a sibling who can sometimes be a little annoying. Or maybe it's your neighbor across the street who has a different political yard sign than you do. What would it look like in our world if we loved each other this way God calls us to love? So let's go ahead and take a look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Amen.